Um, no, and it's fine. Um, I actually really want to get home by 125 because um, there's something important <laughs> happening this afternoon. So I don't know. Whatever. It's not that big. It, Jesus is more important. Jesus is better than football. All right. I'm going to continue on with the Reformation contamination. And I'm going to give my own perspective. See, I have this amazing husband who has been on this theological journey for about four or five, maybe ten years. I don't know how long he's been doing it. But he gets to do all of the plowing and the studying and the listening and, and all of the research. And I get to reap all the benefits. Because I don't have to do any of that stuff. And I just get to hear what he says. That's it. I get it. Amen. So I, but I want to talk this morning about my own journey and what all of this stuff has meant to me. So I'm not going to recap because, um, if you're here listening, then you know what he's been saying. Um, if not go listen to the podcast or I don't know, but if you have any issue with anything I'm going to say, you can take it up with my husband and talk to him because he's the one. No, I'm kidding. All right. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you um, that you are pulling treasures out of dark places. And we are a treasure. We are your treasure in Jesus' name. Um, I often, I have this really cute little, my, my computer I carry around with me for work and stuff. Um, I have this cute little 11-inch MacBook Air. It's really light. It's really cute. And then my sister for my birthday a few years ago, a few years ago got me... Um, this really cute Michael Kors sleeve case. I have this obsession with Michael Kors. Can't afford it. It's all gift, but it's fine. I love it. It's mine. Whatever. So I keep I keep my computer in my cute little Michael Kors case. Any ladies like Michael Kors like I do? Nobody? What is wrong with you people? Come alive. Okay. So I, but I bury it. Now I have, I love my minivan. I have a minivan. I have five kids. So most of the time my van smells like garbage and looks like trash. Seriously. I mean, you know, I, any moms with me, if your car, if you have like multiple children and your car is clean all the time, I hate you. As soon as I clean my car, I got to pick up my kids from school and then it's trashed again. I don't know what it is. So my, I'm constantly in my car and it's maybe clean every three months because that's when I go get it washed. And, um, but usually what I do is I'll either have my wallet or I'll have my bag or I'll have my, my cute Michael Kors little computer and I will shove it underneath all the trash that's in my car because if nobody can see your treasures, they're not going to want to steal your car. Right. And if it looks like trash is inside there, they're not going to want to break in and steal your stuff. So I literally, that's what I do. I take my computer and I shove it under clothes or I'll shove it under a bag or, and then I can just leave it in my car. It's a terrible, terrible habit, but I do it. Sometimes I think that's what we do. We have all of these treasures hidden in places with trash and crap and stuff on it. And I think God wants us to just pull out these treasures that are inside of us. And I, I believe that's what this series is doing. It's taking us back to the simplicity of the goodness of God and saying, that's the treasure. Get rid of all the garbage and the junk that hides the treasure of who he really is. Amen. Amen. Um, when you talk to a child about the love of God, they grasp it so differently than a grown up. Their, their, their perspective of the love of the father is so pure and so innocent. It comes from a place of, of 
we think it's immature and unknowing, but it comes from a pure place of just a love of God. When you talk to a person that's been a Christian for a really long time, you get a perspective of the love of God that is theological or um, has all of these histories that go with it. Well, the love of, and the love of God is filtered with all this stuff on top of it. And I think we have to get to the simplicity of the love of the father, which is what the reformation contamination series is all about. So I'm going to share some things that I see that I have learned over whatever the last three years or whatever that have shaped and changed me for who I am. Is that okay? In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. And in verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought it. I think that's the way God sees us. We're, we're a treasure in a hidden place. One pearl. We're a costly pearl. He's willing to buy the whole lot just for us. He's willing to buy the whole thing just for you. And I think that when we get God's heart, that's how we see people. I can risk it all for one. I can risk it all because I see treasure in dark places. Or I see the, the beautiful hidden inside the ugly. And I'm willing to risk it all to go to the depths and get what God has called me to retrieve, the treasures. So I'm going to talk about a few things I've learned, these few treasures that have really changed me. Now, um, Zach's going to teach you on, with, through this series on the whiteboard. And he's going to go through steps in history. And he's going to um, break up the word of God in such a way it's going to be really revelatory. But I'm not so great at that. I'm just going to share what the contamination has done to me and how it caused me to live differently. Is that okay? My perspective. The first thing that has shaped and changed me is the way that I think God sees sin. See, I was raised to believe that sin was this huge chasm that separated me from the Father. And there was no way I could ever get to God because of my sin. And that sin was the main issue of why he sent Jesus. And it was all about this nasty thing called sin. Now I look at it differently. I look at the fact that God was so hungry hungry and desiring a relationship with me. That He said, no, I just want the relationship. There's no chasm. There's no separation. It's you and me. Your sin is not an issue to me anymore. And that's how I see the difference in the shift. Um, What it does to me is it creates this closeness of the father. He's not far. He's not distant. He's not... um, I used to, I used to think, okay, if as soon as I make a mistake, um, God's ready to punish me. And then as soon as I get the punishment, I have to go through all these punishments of my sin and the consequences. And then God will love me again. I look at that a lot differently. How many are parents in this room? How many of you would watch your children suffer from the consequence of their action? Or would you rescue them? That's the love of God. 
he rescues us. He, he seizes us. He stops us. Now, are there consequences to our actions? Absolutely. We do things with consequences. If my little tiny baby, who I love, who is crazy little monkey, she climbs up on our bar stools and we have to take her down every day, a hundred times a day, she climbs up on the bar stools. If she falls down, that's because she climbed up on the bar stool and fell down. She might get hurt. Am I going to try every time to try to catch her? Yeah. Am I going to miss it? Maybe, but she, she might fall. That's a consequence. But the father is saying, no. He wants that deep relationship with us. He wants that, that, that moment with us. He doesn't want sin to separate us. We separate it in our mind. It changes the clo- When I understand God is close, it changes the way I worship. I don't worship begging God to come and, and, and touch me with his grace or his presence. I don't worship waiting to feel something. I don't worship God saying, I hope I give enough to you. I hope I, I praise you enough. I hope I sing to you enough. I hope I lift my hands long enough for you. And as soon as I get tired, you're going to get mad. So I'm going to lift them even longer. That's not how I worship anymore. I worship from a place of adoration of who he is. Just love on Papa. It changes the way I pray. I no longer pray from a place of begging God to do something that I know he wants to do, but he's waiting for me to beg him long enough or ask in the right words or pray the right prayer for him to answer me. I don't have to live that way. He already said, this is how you pray. Pray like this. Jesus said it. Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer on earth as it is in heaven. God, if it's in heaven, I release it in the earth. God, if it's in heaven, it's mine for for the taking. I release it in the earth. And prayer looks a lot different. Prayer's not begging, it's declarations. The other thing I do, I, I live differently. I don't have to live in fear that I'm not in the will of God. I know this is... um. Maybe this is a little bit challenging because so many times we just say, God, I just want to be in your will. I just want to do your will. Okay. It's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. But but he said he gave you a, a new heart and he wrote his law on your heart and it's in you. What's the will of God for your life? I don't know. Ask your heart. Ask what's inside of you. See, I always saw life as this um, tightrope. Have you guys ever been to the circus and there's like a tightrope walker? They're really cool. And then if they fall on accident, they fall into this big net. And then they have to get back up. They got to climb all the way back up the net and up the ladder. And they have to start from the beginning. And that's what I saw my life like. Like the will of God is this tightrope that I have to make sure that I'm on. As soon as I fall, I got to start all the way back from the beginning. That's not, I, I don't think that's God's will. It's in your heart. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. Your step, are you a son? Your steps are ordered by the Lord. There's so much freedom and liberty when we live like this. Um, the second thing I see that has changed in me is my warfare. I get really, really irritated when people say things like, have you read the back of the book? Because Jesus wins in the back of the book. Do you want to know why I get irritated? Because I'm pretty sure he won like right in the middle. 
When Jesus died, he said he took the keys of death, of, of death, hell, and the grave. And that now Satan is a toothless lion. You know what a toothless lion is? A ginormous teddy bear. With no power and no authority unless you give it to him. He's defeated. He doesn't win at the end of the book. He already won. He defeated the enemy. You have the keys of the kingdom. Just release it. Oh, things change when you live like that. There is not a demon under every rock getting at you. Jesus. It changes um, my eschatology. Sometimes we have this fear-based eschatology that God is a white Republican who only loves Christians and Jews. Come on. Say it. Say it Is that okay? I look at my husband. Is that all right that I just said that? It's true. Jesus, help us sometimes. God, have mercy on us. That we're okay with the bloodshed of Muslims. That we're okay with the children that are dying because somehow they're not as good or the ground in front of the cross is better if you're white. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And we, we draw political lines like, like we have something better than Jesus in the kingdom. God's not an American. Now, I love my country. I am blessed to be in this country. I am blessed to raise my children in a free nation. And and I love the heritage that comes from being an American. But when I know people that are Christian and they say they know God and they'll clap more for the president that they voted for than they will in the standing ovation of the presence of the Lord, I think there's a problem. I think that we have created idolatry and it stems from our eschatology really does. It's really, really gross because the love of God was shed abroad for every single person, everyone. So if your eschatology is one that's full of fear and I, please let me tell you when I was growing up, as a little girl, I was so afraid the rapture was going to happen and I wasn't right with God. Like, seriously, I don't know about you. I was like, if Jesus came right now, <laughs> it would go on a screen what I'm doing in front of everybody. <laughs> I don't know. That's the picture I had got in my mind of what heaven looked like right when you went there. And if Jesus like raptured me in that moment, I was so afraid. I lived in fear and I wasn't even afraid of of the bad stuff. I was afraid of God and myself, the people I'm supposed to love the most. Okay. Let's get an eschatology where we're not defeated, where we're advancing the kingdom, where where we're experiencing the ever increasing glory of God, where we're full of love and not fear. Amen. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up. Hold on. I got like two more things. Okay. The next thing I've learned, and this was um, from a class about dualism. So because of who, um, what's his name? Augustine. 
right? Because of Augustine, <laughs> different, a different story. Thanks, though. Thanks for being ready. Okay, because of Augustine, we have separated the spiritual and the natural. So everything in the natural is bad, and everything in the spiritual is good. And those are both wrong. Because I think a mother's intuition to love her baby, even though she's not a Christian, is good. I think people that aren't Christian that love to minister to the poor and the hurting and the hungry is good. How do we say it's bad? It's good. And I think sometimes people that are in their spirit are just weird and it's not good. They're like this. They go together. And if we understand that, Holy Spirit's a person, not a spooky ghost. We would be real and authentic and relatable to the world. Because the love of God is relatable and the Holy Spirit's relatable. And let me just say this, because I said it for service and I really want to say it again. Um, when you say God told you, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I almost stepped off the stage. Okay. When you say God told you and he didn't really tell you, it's witchcraft. It's, it's witchcraft and manipulation. And Christians are the most famous witchcrafters. Is that a word? Because we're all about God told me. God told me, well, I'm not doing it because God didn't say it. Or God told me this. You know what it does? It makes you completely unaccountable to community, authority, or anybody else to tell you anything different. Because God told you. Nobody can argue with you. It's a manipulation. It's what it is. Okay. He gets it. Okay, the last thing, and this is, um, this is my favorite, um, because this whole journey of undoing some of this contamination in our theology has taught me grace. Heckler's in the front row. I love him. Has taught me grace. I, I turned 33 on Thursday. Somebody just said I look 25. Thank you. They didn't. They really didn't. Thank you. <laughs> I turned 33 on Thursday. And um, it could be because I'm more mature. Or it could just be because the grace of God has taught me. Like, I love being in my skin more than I ever have in my whole life. I have lived so many years with self-hatred, with um, just not comfortable in who I am, not happy in this package that God put me in, not satisfied in my life, not content with the love that God has for me, and worrying and fearful about what people think every turn. I've spent most of my life like that. But it's his grace that has taught me that right where I am right now and all the stuff I don't do right 
and all the stuff I do right. He loves me just as I am. Right here, right now. He loves me. And I don't do everything right. Most of the time I do. But he loves me right here. I think about mistakes I've made. And I think about times where I've made mistakes and I felt like, God, you're going to change your whole mind about me. You don't, how could you even love me anymore? Did you see what I just did? I've just thwarted your destiny. I've just changed your mind. And I realized, no. Stupid things we do, we do all the time. It doesn't change his mind. It doesn't change his heart towards us. It doesn't. See, he sees our heart. He sees that we have, he sees that there are decisions that we make that could cause us harm or that could bring us into liberty, but he still gives us a free will and lets us make the decision. He still walks with us through the journey. He does. He's with us. Sometimes it's easier um, to love other people than it is to love yourself. But grace has taught me I have no love for anybody else unless I first have love for me. I don't know why we don't talk about that in the church. We always talk about loving other people, but we never talk about the fact that we need to love ourselves. And it builds up this room full of people, full of self-hatred that think they're loving other people, but really what they're doing is they're just trying to get love themselves. So they're doing an act to give love, but it's not true love because it's selfish love because they want love. Does that make sense? Instead of learning, I got to love me. And out of that, I can release the love of God because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So if Jesus wanted us to hate ourselves, he'd want us to hate our neighbor. And I'm pretty sure that's not what he meant. Got to love this person. Whatever that looks like, whoever you are, be you because that's who God made you, but love you, love the you, you are, unless you're rude and narcissistic, then you need to change your personality. And it's okay. We've got to learn to love our brothers and sisters with a, a fierce, fiery love. And more than that, we've got to love the people that don't love us back because that's the love that really costs and hurts the most, but that's where true love is tested. Because so many times we want vindication because that's the God we see. We see a God of vindication who needed to vindicate sin. So he, he put his son in a, through horrible death because he's a God of vindication. That's just backwards and stupid. He's not a God of vindication. He's a God of love. He's not two-faced. Like one minute he's a God of vindication and I got to punish my son because my kids sinned. And the next minute, but I love them so much. That's not God. He's full of love. So we get this vindicative kind of thing. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Jesus is going to get them. You better not touch. You better not talk to me like that. You don't touch the anointed. But I'll watch out when lightning comes. It's going to strike you. That's not God. It's not his nature and it's not his heart. It's full of love. Okay. I want to watch this video and then I'm going to close. Are you ready?
happening. Lachlan. First hearing, first hearing aid. With sound. Hello, oh, hello Lachlan. There we go. Well, hello. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. 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 So that baby had just got um, implants to hear for the first time. Sometimes that's how we are. We're walking around like little deaf children that don't know daddy's voice. And we just need somebody to say, this is what he sounds like. He sounds like love. He sounds like grace. He sounds like you're perfect just the way you are. Wait, I'm perfect? I'm a sinner. No, you're not. You were a sinner. Now you're saved by grace and you're a saint and you're a son and you're a daughter and live like royalty. We don't live like beggars, sinners, worthless We live like sons and daughters that know who we are. The world doesn't need to hear a message about how unsaved they are. They don't need one more person telling them that they are lacking or worthless or they need somebody to Let him hear daddy's voice that brings them into a place of joy and purpose and hope. The father's love. Can I just pray really quick for you guys? If I can have some of our prayer team just come up in here and be ready for anybody that wants to receive prayer. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you're bringing such truth to this house that it is reforming a generation. It is going to reform a city. It is going to change the way people do life, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for truth. Thank you for grace. I thank you you're teaching us to hear your voice. You're teaching us what you sound like, what you look like. Thank you for the journey, God. We embrace it. I pray every heart in this room would walk away knowing that they're loved by Papa. Walk away knowing that they're perfect in Him. Walk away knowing that your will for them is life, godliness, hope, truth, peace, and joy. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name. 
if you want prayer, I'm going to let the prayer partner stay up here and they'll pray with you. They'll agree with you. Um, and if not, bless you, love you. And sounds like you need to pick up your kids too. Thank you.